Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this podcast is Jane Martin, who hails from Australia, where she is the executive manager of alcohol and obesity policy at Cancer Council Victoria and leads the Obesity Policy Coalition, a partnership between Diabetes Australia Victoria, Cancer Council Victoria, the Victorian Health Promotion Foundation, and the World Health Organization Collaborating Center for Obesity Prevention. She's highly regarded for her work on obesity and dietary issues uh, and is a very highly effective advocacy uh, player on the, the Australian scene and the world scene for that matter. She's a member of the Expert Committee on Obesity for the Australian Government's National Preventive Health Agency, is chair of the Public Health Subcommittee of the Australia-New Zealand Obesity Society, and has done a number of other impressive things. So, Jane, I'm delighted to have you here. Thank you for having me. So, when I visited Australia, I was struck by how much activity there was and how much passion there was for making changes in food and food policy-related matters. And I know you're working in a variety of issues, and I'd like to talk specifically in this podcast about front-of-package food labeling. Um, this is something where there are great differences around differ, uh, from country to country in the way companies behave with respect to what they put on packages, and also the regulatory approach by government varies a lot from place to place. So I'd like to hear uh, what the situation is in Australia. We can talk about how it matches up to what's happening in the U.S., and then try to find out what's being done to try to improve things in your country. So tell us a little bit about the background and what's happening in your country now. So we've been having um, a long discussion around health and nutrition claims on packaged foods, uh, particularly high-level health claims, and that's now, um, it's been running for a couple of decades, and that's now coming to a conclusion so companies, um, and, and it's still being negotiated, but it's, it's starting, it will be over by the middle of next year, and uh, companies um, will be allowed to carry a high-level health claim. So what do you mean by high-level? So a high-level health claim is when the companies can say that um, the product has an impact on a disease. So that's very, very persuasive, as you can imagine, and we're keen to make sure that Firstly, those claims are substantiated well before the product goes to market. And secondly, uh, that they're not put on foods that are basically unhealthy. So in Australia, the, uh, some of the conditions for carrying a high-level health claim will be that the food have to meet nutrition criteria, um, nutrition profile scoring criteria. So we've adapted what they use in the UK to determine whether a food is unhealthy or not to advertise on television and adapted that somewhat for the Australian context. And foods will have to meet those criteria. And if they're basically unhealthy overall, they won't be able to carry a high-level health claim. So that's one area that's been um, under discussion for quite some time. The food industries are very concerned about the scoring criteria and would prefer that not to apply. But um, at the moment, it will have to meet those standards to carry a high-level health claim. Well, let me ask a question about this. If I understand correctly, companies could make claims that consumption of a certain food would reduce risk for a given disease without having had to prove that was the case. They will, um, they will be able to um, use claims that have been substantiated for use in the European Union. 
So uh, there's a number of pre-approved claims that have been substantiated in the European Union. Um, they can put a product to market. It will have to be substantiated prior to that for the um, and inf and information and research will and evidence will have to be given to our, our authority. But the substantiation will be done by the industry themselves. We don't think as public health advocates that that's the right place for it to be done. But they will have to meet the same sort of requirements that the um, substantiating authority would apply if they did it. What would be examples of some claims that have raised concerns? Well, we the main concern is we don't want to see unhealthy foods carrying claims like this product will reduce uh, your blood cholesterol and uh, reduce your risk of heart disease on a high sugar cereal, for example, because we know how powerful nutrition claims alone are, let alone these high level health claims. So we're um, very concerned that they're on foods that are healthy overall and not misleading the consumer into thinking the product is actually healthier for them than it really is. And, and this is a, uh, an important marketing tool for industry. So we want to make sure that it doesn't mislead consumers and, and that it's done in a transparent way. And could you give us um, some broad sense of the ways that you're trying to apply nutrition criteria? Like what sort of criteria would companies have to meet uh, for certain foods to carry these labels? So the kinds of um, criteria apply to the levels of salt, um, saturated fat, overall fat, sugar, uh, and then the amount of positive elements such as uh, fruit and vegetable components, nuts, uh, whole fibre, that kind of that kind of thing. So um, it's the positive and negative elements of the food are taken into account, not just not, not just the negative. So the overall healthiness of the product is assessed. And is there some index or something that you apply here to add all these things to come up with a score? Yeah, it's quite an elegant um, system. So it's on our um, government website. And what you do is you feed in information that comes off the nutrition information panel. So it's on every packaged food. You put, that material, you put that information into the matrices and it spits out a number. And if it's above a certain point, as far as numbers, um, it passes. So it's uh, determined not to be unhealthy because it's only healthy or he healthier and unhealthy, basically. Uh, so it, it gives you a number. And as I said, it takes into account the, both the positive and negative um, elements of the food. And... You, you alluded to this earlier, but where does it stand in the decision-making process? There's been quite a lot of negotiation between public health consumer groups and the food industry, including the peak bodies like sugar, um, our processed food peak bodies, but also the industries alone, so Nestle, Fonterra. Um, so quite a lot of players have been involved in these discussions, coordinated by our, our Food Standards Australia and, and New Zealand's involved with this as well. So it's quite a large group of bureaucrats and, and, and food industry as well as public health people. So I'm, I'm imagining, given what you said, that the use of these health claims has been occurring for a number of years and just now there's important progress being made on establishing criteria to make the claims reasonable. What sort of what, what do you think has changed in your country that makes it possible now to at least have this discussion? Well, I suppose it, the discussion has been going on for about 20 years around um, health claims and, and they're not and because it hasn't been resolved, they're not allowed to have those claims on food. Of course, some have slipped through, 
Uh, but on the whole, the industry has been pretty good at not um, not pushing the envelope because it is misleading and deceptive practice, and there are very strong requirements legally and and, and sanctions of millions of dollars if you breach them. So they have um, been uh, pretty good, I must say. That obviously there are people who push the envelope, some companies, but the companies on the whole have been pretty good while this whole discussion has been. Um, under consultation and as I said nearly 20 years it was way before we became um, involved with it so but clearly it would be a huge marketing advantage for companies to put these claims on food. It's interesting to compare this with the UX experience so we've had years of health claims being put on packages by uh, the food industry and, and many critics of this practice claim that there's abuse by the industry that products just like you mentioned high sugar cereals have some vitamins and minerals thrown in and then their claims about the fortification helping with health things and and the like and the, the but the industry's been powerful enough to fight off any reform in this and it would be our our food and drug administration that would be responsible for changing the laws but they've been slow to do it in the past several years there's been some talk um, mm -hmm. from the fda about doing things but it really hasn't there's been really no reform at all uh, so it would be interesting if the same set of conditions in your country uh, have happened in our country and allow the uh, regulatory agencies to not yield to the pressure of the food industry mm. and create some standards that would be meaningful because you're right, consumers can be completely misled by this. Um, you know, if you think about a parent shopping for a food in a supermarket mm. and a child because of the marketing the child sees is asking for a certain product like let's say a high sugar cereal and then the product says that it's fortified, that it reduces this disease or that. It gives the parents permission mm. to yield to the pressure of the child, and you just have havoc on your hands, mm. and people get confused about nutrition. Um, so I'm, it's delightful to hear that you're making progress in your country. Where do you suspect this will go? I suspect there'll be continued uh, lobbying by industry because it's complicated. It's not just our federal government. It's the states have a vote in this as well. Uh, in most cases, the vote does rest with the health minister of that jurisdiction, but in some jurisdictions, it's the agricultural minister for agriculture, and so often they're opposed to the views of the, the health minister, <laughs> which is, I think, the same in your country. Uh, so the politics are complex. I suspect it will happen. I suspect that the nutrient profiling scoring criteria will... Um, remain and so that companies that the product if it's unhealthy will not be able to carry uh, these claims but industry will continue to fight it. it it might be wrapped up in six months but if in industry continues to push very hard um, it may continue hopefully not for another decade but it may it may keep going and, and if we that? have a change of government then that can change the whole game altogether how has this been handled by the press how is the press um been dealing with this issue? The press has been quite interested but it's very it's a very complex issue mm -hmm. and because it's not been abused to a wide extent uh, there's no there's not a big story there uh, and uh, it's it's because of the complexities of the politics and the complexities of the application of substantiation and the scoring criteria it is quite difficult to get the press involved but our consumer organization has been very active in this area for a long time and they have got some good stories up around um, the kinds of claims that are out there in the marketplace already 
um, and, and not allowed to be on packaging. So um, putting the story into sort of a, a real life context for people and trying to give them a sense of what sort of things might start appearing on what kinds of foods as well. And if people wanted to find out more about this, is there information available on your website? There's a, yes, there's a lot of submissions on our website. It's called P293. It sounds much more exciting than it. <laughs> it's very what does P293 mean? That's the, I think that's the actual regulation that uh, they're, um, they're looking at. But the Food Standards Australia and New Zealand has the nutrient profile scoring Okay. A tool calculator. So if you had a nutrition information panel, you could you could put the information in and it would give, tell you whether it was unhealthy or not. So that's where you could go. Well, thank you. And, and good luck with your, um, your, your fight to provide um, better and more helpful nutrition information to consumers. It's a very important thing to do. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kelly. Our guest was Jane Martin, Executive Director of Alcohol and Obesity Policy at Cancer Council Victoria in Australia. Uh, please visit our website, www.yalerudcenter.org. You'll find a variety of resources there on food and food policy issue, including a free newsletter that we dispatch and, of course, links to the other excellent podcasts. Thank you.